8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Asraf Garda. The Viewpoint with Asraf Garda. And look out for the podcast of the discussion we had with uh, Professor Ahmed Bawa. Go to the SAFM website, so safm.co.za tomorrow morning around 9 a.m. But also you can check it up on my Twitter timeline, maybe just thereafter. So look out for that. Many others wish to engage. I know there's just never enough time when you have someone like that. And there's like 20 things to discuss. My apologies. But of course, some of the specific details around NSFAS or NSFAS, you can't really get into. So a reminder, just around fees must fall specifically and what happened at Fitz University. Uh, we'll have a discussion about that as per Adam Habib's new book. And that it's sort of, it's been set for next week, Thursday. So looking forward to engaging him about the backstory from his point of view, of course, around uh, fees must fall. Let's find out now about a, a campaign that certainly, in many ways, it puzzles me. It fascinates me, but it puzzles me as well. And it's put together by Greenpeace Africa and their volunteers. And they've called for a campaign for South Africa's top political parties to adopt a ban on single-use plastics. Um, in their election manifestos. What exactly does all that mean? Here's uh, in Tantla Sibisi, who's the Greenpeace Climate and Energy Campaigner. Tantla, appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Ashraf, and thanks for the invite. Right, so so first, let's get the specifics out of the way. When you say you're asking, well, manifesto, we understand, so you want them to make a promise. A promise to do what? Well, basically what we are asking through our volunteers, and, 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 and I need to just uh, contextualize this, that uh, Ashraf would say it's an initiative taken by Cape Town, I mean by Cape Town uh, volunteers, where they've um, uh, taken a look at uh, the manifestos of uh, especially the main political parties, the three main political parties, and they've looked at what commitments have they made in terms of uh, uh, making a commitment uh, towards uh, the ban of single-use plastics, and uh, their campaign is uh, is uh, really targeting the political parties in the sense of ta- I mean of saying that there ought to be some political will as well as political direction in terms of uh, uh, banning uh, the use of single-use plastics. So that's what the campaign is actually aimed at. Okay, firstly, let's understand why why such an issue around the need to ban single-use plastics. Why why are they such a threat to our lives? Well, to start with, Ashraf, uh, we've uh, seen quite a lot of different campaigns that have been happening around uh, the single-use plastics, but also mainly it's, uh, it, it's emanating from not only what we are seeing, but also from the science around uh, the world that has been presented. And uh, we see, for instance, if I can give you an example of uh, the marine life impact that uh, uh, single-use plastic is having. We've seen uh, the direct impact uh, on marine life itself. We've seen... Uh, um, uh, the waste uh, along our beaches, we have seen the waste uh, on our river streams, we've seen the waste uh, in different ways. But also there's another cycle that's taking place uh, in terms of uh, the ingestion that's happening uh, uh, because of the breakdown of uh, plastics into microplastics. And then we see the marine life that's actually um, um, eating these plastics. And if you look at the cycle, there's a vicious cycle in the sense that we also I mean, consume marine life. So in a way, the cycle is that we are also consuming plastic. Mm. All right. So, so here's the bottom line. Plastics can, can affect marine life because they can, you know, these, these, uh, the, the marine life can consume and it can actually damage them, but also can, can damage or does damage the environment, right? Yes, that's true. Okay. So basically, uh, you know, um, as I mentioned earlier on, there's a lot of science around the fact that um, we as um, the consumers 
and users of plastic actually discarding it in a very uh, irresponsible way. And we believe that uh, through Greenpeace that we have a moral responsibility to ensure that we don't only protect the marine life, but we protect life in general. And uh, having that moral obligation and knowing the impacts uh, that plastic has had on our environment, uh, we actually saying that uh, there is something that ought to be done from a national perspective as much as we've seen a lot of campaigns that are taking place internationally. Mm. Now, now the call then to, to ban or reduce the, the consumption or the, or the use of, of single-use plastics, is that a global thing that ties in with, uh, with the United Nations and, and their Millennium Development Goals? Of course, we're beyond those goals now. Yes, uh, it does tie up with not only uh, the development goals, but it also ties up uh, to a lot of, uh, I mean, of other um, uh, commitments that we've made as a country. You know, in terms of looking after uh, our our own biodiversity, in terms of looking after our own uh, marine life. But also, uh, we're talking about marine life right now. But it's also an impact that we see inland. So, um, as a country, uh, Ashraf, we do have the moral responsibility because we are the use of I mean, plastic. And we ought to be um, uh, using it in a responsible way if we have to use it. Because uh, the other part of our campaign is to say that if you don't have to use plastic, then why use it? So um, uh, um, in general, I would say, uh, Ashraf, that we have the moral responsibility to ensure that we protect the environment. Okay, I'm going to also encourage you as a listener to contribute to the discussion. So we're talking about a ban for single-use Plastic, uh, plastic packets, plastic wrappers, plastic other things as well. Uh, what do you make of it? Is it, is it a ban with uh, a call for a ban that you would support? Or is it something that actually goes over your head? It has no impact on you whatsoever. Do you understand the big picture? Do you not understand it? Uh, what sort of questions would you like to know more about before you would consider being part of this campaign started by the Greenpeace Africa volunteers to actually support a call to ban single-use plastic. To engage on air, I'd like to get your viewpoint. It's 89 And then you can SMS 40938. Voice notes are, as always, welcome. It's uh, 30 seconds maximum if you're doing that, please. And here's the number, 0614 one, one, let me say that again. 0614-104-107. 0614-104-107. And uh, lastly, if you're tweeting, hashtag SFM Viewpoint, and then you tag me, Ashraf Garda, tag SFM Radio. In fact, you'll find Greenpeace Africa, uh, as in Greenpeace Afrique. Uh, you'll find that Twitter handle on my timeline as I talk to you. Tantala Sibisi is with me, the Greenpeace Climate and Energy Campaign. Now, just, just explain the difference between single-use plastic and multiple-use plastic. Well, single-use plastic uh, is usually um, uh, plastic that we will just use once off. Like, you know, for, I mean, for example, if you go to your supermarket and you get your vegetables wrapped up in a plastic like your cabbage, uh, your different types of vegetables, and then you have no other need for using that plastic. So basically when you get home, you unwrap whatever that you bought, you use it and you take that plastic and you throw it in your bin. And uh, um, usually that's the type of plastic um, um, that we're having a challenge with that ends up in your landfill sites or, depending on, on how responsible a person would be, you'd find that in some instances people, you know, they're driving, they buy something that is in a single-use plastic, they consume whatever that they're consuming, throw it out of the window and 
a waste. Uh, I mean, gets I mean discarded in a very I mean irresponsible way. So um, your multi-use plastics um, would be plastics that you can use over and over again. And in this instance, if I can just add, Ashraf, is that you know one of the things that we are encouraging people in our campaign is to say that you know, for instance, if you go to your supermarket and you know that you're going to be maybe buying a few items that you need to put in a bag, you know, we still have this old tradition where people, if you keep one durable bag. You don't even have to ask for the plastic when you offer the plastic. You know, at the till you can just say at that point that listen, I don't need the plastic. I have my own bag. And besides, it's not only saving you money, but it's also the mindset and the behavioural change that's actually uh, making you a responsible citizen to say that you know what, I'm not going to take something that I'm just going to use once and throw it into a dustbin. Because unfortunately, you know, um, uh, if we look at the international stats. We only uh, recycle around 9% um, of the plastic that we're using. So the bulk of the plastic that we don't recycle, is, I mean, it's, is, the, is the plastic that goes into your landfill site that gets washed down the river and goes mm. into the oceans, etc. So uh, as uh, citizens, we also have that responsibility to look at our own behavioral um, um, uh, change in terms of saying that if you don't need the plastic, you at the point of the tool need to say that I don't need this plastic. Okay, now I remember a call by the then Minister, um, uh, probably a Minister of Environmental Affairs, I think it's Mohammed Valley Musa, probably about, what, 15 years ago, maybe even longer when he was the Minister, uh, when there was a very clear call on plastic bag usage, um, certainly at supermarkets, so you would you would find um, that they discouraged the use completely, well, maybe not banned, but discouraged, uh, ideally to get you to come with your Hessian bags, and that seemed to be very fine. I don't see such a, a, two things, I don't see such a big deal about it nowadays, and the way to discourage usage was simply to charge people, um, and people I, I see are willingly paying for it now. How do we turn that around? Well, uh, during that time, as you rightfully said, you know, uh, the uh, the assumption was that it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be a workable solution. Because what they did, they actually slapped um, uh, a sort of a tariff or a tax on plastics that, you know, to try and discourage people to make plastic to be a little bit more expensive. But if you look at, unfortunately, if you look, you know, at uh, at, at our own convenience that we want, uh, it's easier for you to just say that, Give me a plastic and you put whatever that you want to put. Mm. So unfortunately, that did not work. So that is a lesson from a policy perspective. If you look at the fact that, you know, we tried the tariff at some point and that tariff did not work because the plastics uh, or the single-use plastics, we're still using them in, and we're discarding them in the way that we are discarding. So what we are saying, um, uh, and through this campaign that our, I mean, our volunteers in Cape Town have launched is to say that we need to think a little bit differently. We need to apply the right policies that's going to support, for example, the right infrastructure at the point of source. For instance, if you come back from a supermarket and you have to separate your, I mean, um, your waste, you have mm. the right bins where you can separate. And, and, and you know that after you've separated it, when the municipal truck comes or the dumpsters come, they're going to take it in that form and also continue the separation to a point where it gets recycled, for example. But unfortunately, we don't have the right policies in place right now to ensure that I may have my three bins, which has my organic stuff, which has my paper, which has my plastic. But the dumpster come and they take everything and they just put it into one big dumpster and it's taken to the landfill side. So whatever initiative you may have as an individual at your home actually gets 
defeated by the fact that we don't have the right policies in place, nor do we have the right infrastructure to make sure that uh, there's more responsibility that we are taking. All right. How, how does this then compare? So, so I mean, we made two things. So the idea of charging extra simply took the cost of paying for it from the supermarkets to the consumer, but the consumer went to pay anyway, right? What what has then happened to that extra money? It's one thing them paying extra uh, as a form of discouragement, but it's not like the money has been ring-fenced, has it? Yes, unfortunately, that's another thing, because last year we did uh, do a follow-up in terms of... Uh, uh, that very tax, the plastic tax that was used. And um, as you would know, that government policy, unfortunately, they don't have a policy where they ring fence funding that they collect for a specific, I mean, from a specific item, in this case, uh, um, 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 plastic tax. And it's it's a government policy which, unfo- I mean, which is very unfortunate because you would hope that uh, in such instances, that very tax would be collected, I mean, would be collected, ring fenced, and then used maybe in programs that, for instance, uh, make people more aware of um, the impacts of plastic on the environment. But uh, because the complete fiscus, the way that it is structured, everything that goes into the pot gets distributed for other services as well. So that's another option that if you look at it from a policy perspective, if we did have that, probably it could be something that we could um uh, use, but uh, uh, just to add, Ashraf, uh, one of the other things in this campaign is to hold political parties responsible, and in this instance, political parties that will be in power, mm. and say to them that first of all, they need to be a political will. Uh, you know, uh, countries like Rwanda and Kenya have already gone that route where they mm. ban- uh, banned certain types of single-use plastics. So that's a good direction. And secondly, is to say that what policy and what um, 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 uh, legislation or translation of that policy into legislation or bylaws that will make it possible for us to curb this scourge that we are uh, 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 that we are witnessing. But also thirdly, me and you as a citizen, we do have that moral responsibility to say mm-hmm. that how do I hold my supermarket or government accountable, or even the plastic industry accountable to say that, can't you find alternatives? And this is what we are pushing through in this campaign, to say that we ought to find alternatives uh, 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 to plastics. And uh, 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 the campaign, one of the other campaigns that we have in Durban with our Durban volunteers, is that they've literally went up to Ocean Basket, Wimpy, and they've held them accountable, for example, by just saying that, can't you find an alternative to plastic straws? Mm-hmm. Because we know the impacts of all of these but I've certainly noticed as I mean, I bought some things today at, at uh, I think there's something fishy and I, I've been to Nando's in the past and I know that, yes, you can't get the traditional plastic straws. So would you say that, that means you're getting paper straws now? That's what you would encourage, right? We would encourage uh, alternatives, I mean, Ashraf, in the sense that, you know, um, we, we strongly believe that uh, the manufacturers could find these alternatives. They have the resources, they have the know-how, they have... Uh, uh, um, um, uh, the brains that can actually think about this and offer an alternative, which is why us as citizens, we need to like sort of also push the envelope and say to them that try and find us these alternatives. Because uh, even if you are at your retailer or, or, or at your restaurant enjoying whatever food that you're enjoying, uh, for instance, if you have to do a takeaway, can't you just speak to someone and say that, listen, uh, can't you guys find an alternative uh, as opposed to, I mean, to you giving me a plastic foam or a plastic itself? 
um, as as opposed to something which is biodegradable. Because what we are campaigning for is that we should have items that are biodegradable, that even if they are discarded out there, that they can biodegrade. And unfortunately, plastic takes very, very, very long time. I mean, in, mm-hmm. in some studies, it has proven that they even take up to maybe uh, a thousand of years a couple of thousand of years to actually biodegrade completely. Okay, so, so we need to find solutions which are environmental. Well, absolutely. I want to find. I want to get back to that example that you gave about Kenya and Rwanda and why has it worked, if anything, with them. My guest is Ntantla Sebisi, who's the Greenpeace Climate and Energy Campaigner. What do you make of their call, uh, effectively, to to put the pressure on political parties to include the issue of a ban on single-use plastic bags? Um, in their election manifestos. I'm, I was saying often enough, I'm amazed just the issues of climate and green issues generally fare very, very low on political party election manifestos. What do you make of that? 0891-104-207. What's your viewpoint? Don't miss this eight-part investigative television documentary about the illegal trafficking of goods, including fake pharmaceuticals, precious minerals, guns, endangered species, organs, gold, humans, and illegal adoptions. The Traffickers starts on the 10th of February at 7.30pm, only on SABC3. The Summer of Cricket leads the proceedings this Sunday at 10 a.m. on SABC3. Then Beyond Boundaries takes over at midday on SABC2. Athletics Alive is at 12.30, followed by swimming at 1 p.m. Playing for the coaches on SABC1 at 2.30. Then Laduma at 3 with the relegation battle between Black Leopards and Chipper United. Catch soccer highlights on Soccer Zone this Monday at 10.30 p.m. on SABC1. SABC Sport for the love of the game. The drumbeats of war are raging as Everton can't wait for this Saturday to confront Newcastle in the Premier League match of the week. And Everton are in front. That was superb from the Blues. Newcastle's Rafael Benitez and his troops will fight back for victory to remain in their backyard. Catch Newcastle up against Everton this Saturday on football's biggest stage. SABC3 live at 4.30pm. Proudly brought to you by SABC Sport. For the love of the game. At SAFM Radio and at Ashraf Gada on Twitter. Chatting about a ban and a call for a ban on plastic bags. It's not banned at the moment. It's discouraged. Whether the discouraging of uh, plastic bag usage as per the Department of Environmental Affairs good, what, 15 years ago? Has it actually worked? What's your level of consciousness around it? I'd like to know what do you feel about the call for, for a clear ban now as opposed to just paying more if you're using a plastic bag at a supermarket. Ntlantla Tsibisi is with me, the Greenpeace Climate and Energy Campaigner. Now, Ntlantla, you were saying... Um, the example of Kenya and Rwanda, some of the bags, are there's some banning. So what is banned? How did they succeed? Well, to start with, I would say that um, uh, they also had some pressure from their own environmental organizations. And um, 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 just to stick uh, to Kenya as one of the examples, they've had a quite a huge uh, challenge when it comes to waste. And uh, it may not have only been a waste of plastic, but it has become at least one of the avenues in which they've explored an option to start somewhere. So 
from our perspective, because we, as Greenpeace, we do also have a presence in Kenya, it has proven to us that where there's a political will for, I mean, for change, things can happen. So by them legislating it and making that commitment, for us, it is proof that, you know, as a state uh, or as government, that it can actually be done. But simply put, uh, using... Rwanda, um, as another example, is that they sort of have a policy where, uh, and I'm sure you might have heard of this in different media um, um, uh, houses, where they they really want to see their cities being clean. They want yes. to see their um, uh, their rural areas being clean, and they have been serving as a very good example in terms of cleaning up their act, so to say. So, um, because the political will does exist, it sort of makes it a bit easier to have the commitment to actually do it because this tells us that if we have the political commitment from the top then it's much easier when it filters down because sometimes even um, as the few examples that I gave earlier on as an individual you'd like to be responsible you'd like to uh, to do the right thing but you sort of feel um, I mean disempowered in a sense that when you see that you know there's just litter all over the place and the government doesn't have uh, much care about it, or even your local authority does not have much care. So Rwanda also sets another very good example in the sense that there's that will from the top that where they would like to keep their cities and their country clean. And that's, uh, I mean, something that I believe as South Africa, it's unfortunate that we are lagging behind on it, that we, it's something that we should take our cue mm. from. So, so, so let's go to the, in fact, there's a voice note I want to pick up. Let's hear that first www.capecup.co.za Cape as in the Western Cape Cup as in the object that you used to drink out of www.capecup.co.za It explains nicely about the bio straw which is basically straws that look exactly like plastic but it is not it is made from PLA which stands for polylactic acid Basically a fancy name for starch from mealies and other plant sources. Check it out. Okay, there we are. Some advice nudging us in the right direction there. That brings us, you know, maybe to the nub of, of what we should be talking about, which is one is, is consumer acceptance, but the other is your drive from the volunteers to get the political parties to put it into their manifestos. Are they listening to you, the political parties, that is? Well, to date we've had a commitment from the Democratic Alliance, um, where they have actually committed uh, to begin engaging on the matter. And we actually uh, welcome that because that means that at least someone is listening. Because, um, you know, as you know, in Western Cape, the, I mean, uh, the government is in control of the city as well as also uh, in control of the, I mean, of the province. So, and this campaign is a campaign which started in the Western Cape, in Cape Town to be more specific. And what they have done, they've actually collected uh, just over 3,000 uh, signatures. And okay. their aim is to yeah is to reach a uh, hundred thousand. But coming back to the political parties, Ashraf, uh, that willingness to listen is telling us that we are in the right direction. But we would like to go before I mean beyond the listening and get the political parties to actually commit because they here they have an opportunity to also uh, create their own mileage in terms of showing that. You know, uh, they're not only looking out for green issues, but they're looking out for these very issues where uh, people can visibly see 
that you know uh, their I mean their environment is impacted. And whether you're a person who owns a property or things like that, you don't want to see your property. Uh, it's beautiful in the inside, but outside it's littered with plastic. Mm. So these are the kind of things that I would say that our volunteers are actually saying that, you know, as a political party, you also have an opportunity to gain whatever mileage. Okay, so which political like, parties? So you mentioned the DA has committed. Yes. Are, they, are they committed nationwide or the Western Cape only? Well, it's... It's in the Western Cape, and they've committed to actually engage. And so that's a start, as I said. All right. Now, but, um, has any other political party, including the DA, not engaged, yeah. but actually said, we will include it in our election manifesto, and we will include it as part of our election trust? Has anybody done that? No, we haven't seen that commitment yet, because which is why uh, our volunteers would, would actually like to have that conversation. Because we would like them to unpack it for us and tell us that how do they see it. Because we will present our campaign to them and uh, give them the science behind it, give them the uh, 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 the logic behind it, and give them the thinking of it. But at the end of the day, we would like to see them making a commitment and including it in their manifestos. Mm-hmm. They still have a chance. The elections are not too far around Absolutely. the corner. We understand that. But we, will, we would like to see political parties committing to that, including the other big parties, your ANC, your EFF. So what what about the what what about the Department of um, Environment uh, Environmental Affairs or whichever department and maybe there's more than one that that this issue of concern about impact on environment would fall within? Uh, are you lobbying them? What, what are they saying about this? Uh, we are definitely lobbying them, uh, Ashraf. But uh, the good news is that we've also had an engagement with with the Portfolio Committee, I mean Committee on Environmental Affairs. And they are also considering this. So it means that the debate has already started, not only with with us having it with the political parties, but the debate has also started at the parliamentary level. And they've shown commitment that they would like to actually see something being done about it. Like, um, for instance, last week, um, that's when our volunteers um, 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 actually had an engagement with them. With the portfolio committee, and uh, uh, they've they've made that commitment to say that they are actually discussing it, and we'd like to see that going beyond and being practicalized. Okay, uh, uh, what about international relations? Uh, uh, I mean, we we spoke about the United Nations. You mentioned Rwanda and uh, and Kenya, and of course, your Greenpeace itself is is renowned. For, for for the stance you've taken on a whole range of environmental issues, right? But 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 what's the what's the level of awareness and goodwill and activism around the, the scourges of plastic use uh, usage uh, globally? Well, internationally, you'd find that there are regions or countries that are far ahead of this campaign. For instance, if you look at uh, the EU, uh, the EU now as uh, the combination of the EU countries, they have much more robust, much more uh, progressive policies in terms of looking at um, uh, plastic use because they have a whole lot of re- legislation around le- recycling or reuse. Uh, they have a whole lot of um, uh, legislation that actually looks at the separation from the, I mean, from the source. Uh, and unfortunately, we haven't yet gotten to that level. And this is some of the things that we're actually trying to push for. But from an international uh, perspective, to, I, mean, I mean, to just take it further, Ashraf, is that uh, the UN is definitely one of the bodies that has now come 
to the realization that something has, I mean, that needs to be done globally. And there are countries, uh, for instance, if you look at, uh, 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 sorry, if you look at uh, different activists in the different countries, they're really putting a, a lot of pressure on their individual countries, but also in the uh, in the given regions. But the interesting thing, and, and as you know, Ashraf, that Greenpeace is an international body. Uh, we are also collaborating with partners, depending where we have a presence, we're collaborating with partners to say that if something can be done, whether it is along the European Union lines or whether it's in the U.S. area, whether it's in South America or and now of recently here in Africa, if we have that opportunity, we actually want to use that and, uh, and take it forward because this is not a national scourge. It's actually an international scourge. And like I mentioned earlier on, you know, uh, the amount of plastic that we find in our oceans is actually mind-boggling. And it's really, really, really choking the marine life. Uh, you can name them, whether it's your whales, whether it's your dolphins and things like that. And we've even seen these animals washing on shore mm. uh, because they have ingested so much of the plastic that their system just gets uh, um, uh, damaged, and they and they literally die. Yeah, all right. So now, g- give us some awareness. I mean, you can feel free to tweet us. By the way, uh, you know, on, on whatever you need to tweet on and Facebook us myself and SFM Radio, so we can share the information. But but give me some details in terms of website, uh, both from a Greenpeace Africa point of view, and I think what is it is, is Vuma Earth part of that that online campaign. Yes, that's definitely, and thanks for that opportunity, Ashraf, because we would like um, our supporters, we would like uh, your listeners as well, to actually visit the site. It's www.vuma.earth, and vuma is spelled V-U-M-A dot earth. And that's where uh, we have our petition that we've put up, and that's where you'll find a host of other information uh, in terms of what the campaign is all about uh, uh, in terms of banning uh, single-use plastics. Because that's uh, one of the platforms which is run by Greenpeace and and uh, we have our volunteers that are actually inputting into it where we're trying to unpack and to try to show why are we doing this and why it is necessary for us to do it. So we would really appreciate uh, uh, if people can... All right. Well, I'll tell you what, if you, if you tag me, that's absolutely... Uh, absolutely fine. You can also take Champion South Africa, by the way, uh, part of another project I'm involved in. I'll gladly share that besides SAFM Radio too, right? Let, let, what about your, just as we wrap up, uh, you have a relationship with Miss Earth. I mean, they, they, they are smack bang uh, at the center of environmental issues. Well, as Greenpeace Africa, we don't directly have that relationship, but we we do follow such uh, events and campaigns, and I must say that uh, the uh, Miss Earth is quite a um, uh, how can I say an avenue where where we see a lot of good that's being taken up by ordinary people or people who are celebrities, etc. And we actually applaud such moves because at the end of the day, it does speak to the broader campaigns that we have as Greenpeace, and uh, these are campaigns that we are glad to say that you know the more coverage that they get and the more exposure that they get from the different personalities, uh, it makes the campaigning work that we do worthwhile. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, I would suggest strongly that you that you get the Miss Earth uh, team to, to drive this process uh, through them as well. So big collaboration may just get you where you need to go. Thank you. Thank you for your time.
Thank you for your time. Thank Eva. you very much, Ashraf. Tantla, and I really appreciate the Absolutely. Tantla Sibisi was a Greenpeace climate and energy campaigner. There you are. Rethinking the issue of plastic bags. Have you rethought it in the light of our discussion? Let me know. You can drop me an email, Ashraf at sfm.co.za.